0: Good morning, Colonia Woods. Good to see each of you today. I'm glad you're here. If you're joining online, I want to welcome you as well. Isn't it gorgeous outside today? Man, it is just beautiful. Well, I guess you guys wanted to rain like two days ago. Isn't it gorgeous outside? Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful Memorial Day weekend, and hopefully you enjoy this time. If you have your Bibles, would you take them and turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6, going to continue a series we started uh, early in May called It's Complicated, uh, Experiencing God's Grace in Messy Relationships, and today I want to talk to you about what I consider some of the hardest words in all of Scripture. I know the title says the hardest words. Uh, It's a little subjective, and uh, I didn't think it was as effective. Uh, to say some of the hardest words and so we're going to take a look at some hard words from Jesus today Um, about a year ago it's actually a year and about three weeks ago Tammy and I were on a walk now that was our that became our normal thing Uh, during a shutdown we went on a daily walk and uh, we would go to our normal place um, sometimes we'd shake it up a little bit, but it was almost always between two and three miles. There were a couple of days we decided to go out to four, four and a half, five, but normally we had that 35 minutes to about 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 an hour that we had for that, and um, we go to our normal place, parked at our normal spot, got out, did our normal stretches, which for us always includes the calves because of Achilles and all that kind of stuff, and we start getting going. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not necessarily chipper in the morning. And so one of the deals that we get is Tammy's very talkative oftentimes. And I had kind of a deal with her. Earbuds go on beginning of the walk. Give me 10 to 15 minutes before I have to talk to you. And it's, it's not because I'm grouchy or anything like that. I, just, I, I put on worship music. I just want to use this. I love nature. And so I just wanted to kind of experience the morning. Then when the earbud comes out, I'm ready to talk and we'll have a good 30 minutes to just talk and so um we were on the walk i think we went three miles that day because we were on our way back and we were at the one mile mark my earbud was already out we were already talking and about one mile from where our car was parked um, there was a lady who was walking way off in the few, uh, in the, the advance i had to be two three hundred uh, yards i mean it was it was quite a ways in front of us and um and as we were walking, she did this. In fact, so much I didn't think, I thought it was because of something else, but she just did this and turns and keeps on walking. And uh, she does it again a few minutes later. And I said, I told Tammy, I said, hey, I hope she got a good view. I hope she, you know, she got a picture, that kind of thing. Because um, you, you may not know this about me, I'm a little irreverent. And so I just decided to do that. And this is something else you probably don't know about me, but I'm kind of loud. And so, and the reason is when I'm walking, I'm even louder because I'm trying to navigate this whole thing of surviving and breathing together with talking. And so when I talk, I talk a little bit loud. And so um, the second time she did it, I said, I think, she, I think she's looking at us. And we going down a little bit further and this time we're probably within 150, 200 yards and she does this thing again. And then turns around and walks. And now it's kind of getting funny, but we're having a conversation. And we, uh, there were about a total of four times. And by the way, if it was you, I'm really sorry. I, I don't know who this lady was, so I thought she probably comes here. I don't even know. But anyway, so we get to the end of the walk, and it just seemed odd what was going on. We get to the end of the walk. We're 100 yards from where we're to get off to go to our car. She was already there. I am quoting her as she looks back and says... Why don't you just shut up? <laughs> and as oftentimes when I'm stunned, I, I said, Excuse me, ma'am? Why don't you just shut up? And my response was, Thank you so much for your advice. That was it. That was it. What do you say? What do you say to that? She. Was obviously mad. She turned around. She storms to her trunk, gets into her car, and and I look at Tammy. I'm saying, "What just happened here?" (laughs) It became it became the whole conversation, the whole day. In fact, my wife's favorite phrase to me now is, "Why don't you?" No, I'm just kidding. But anyway. (laughs) So uh, so anyway so uh, but uh, seriously, I wasn't mad. I was stunned, but I wasn't mad. And the first thing I thought of is man, what what does that woman think I was doing? I mean, what what did she think was happening here? And I thought to myself, this really did. It went through my head. I'm going, I wonder if she either has been with a man who is very loud-voiced, or maybe currently with a man very loud-voiced. Maybe she needs to visit our counseling center. I didn't know. Uh, Maybe she, all I could think of is, this is a very angry woman, and I thought, she's got some issues and I felt really bad for her because we walk that trail every day and I'm thinking she's gonna see us all the time this is awkward last week I shared with you a message on anger I almost could call this part two because anger and this whole thing of forgiveness are so closely tied we talked about the cause of some unhealthy anger in a person's life and one of them was was stored up anger it's not dealing with things and what happens is is we tend to take out our anger on people that weren't necessarily the source of the anger in the first place i'm going to take you to a passage of scripture that i got to be honest i I don't really like that it's in the Bible. Now, I want you to know, I love Jesus. I'm glad it's in the Bible. But there are times when I see things that I kind of wish weren't in the Bible. And before you get too critical, the disciples were kind of the same way. There was a time in John chapter 6 where Jesus was teaching about him being the man who's come down from heaven and that they have to partake in him. And they looked at him and said, Lord, this is hard. Who can possibly receive this? And Jesus knew they were offended by this whole thing. They didn't like what Jesus was saying because it was so hard to take into their life. I'm going to take you to one that is a very familiar passage, but it's a hard passage. It's where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Matthew chapter 6. You likely have heard this before. You may have even prayed this before or memorized it. It's the Lord's Prayer. Here's what it says. Chapter 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So far, so good. Verse 14, 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive forgive your sins i don't like that verse i don't like that verse not because i struggle with unforgiveness i don't like that verse because it seems almost conditional it almost it seems so contrary and yet jesus makes a really big deal about this whole thing of forgiveness luke chapter seven he deals with forgiveness luke 17 deals with forgiveness matthew 18 deals with forgiveness Jesus deals a lot with this whole idea of forgiveness and I got to be honest with you I don't I don't like the way that he says that it's interesting because last week when we were talking about anger I focused in but I didn't really I didn't stop on a passage out of James chapter 2 now James is the half-brother of Jesus And in James chapter 2, as he's teaching about how Christianity plays itself out in daily life, James chapter 2, verse 12, here's what James says Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Sound familiar? mercy triumphs over judgment now jesus in the lord's prayer is in fact i put this in your notes he's really making an invitation for god's grace to permeate your life and so what he's doing is merely saying that if you're going to invite god's grace to permeate your life then you need to allow god's grace to extend from your life and as I process that passage, as I've looked at that passage, I would tell you I've heard it explained away, I've heard all kinds of, but you know what? I think Jesus just said it the way it is. He says, hey, in your life. And it's funny because he's really the right person to say it because he, he first of all in this passage gives us the foundation of our own forgiveness, which is the forgiveness we've gotten. Okay, So in other words, he's given us the foundation that we can forgive others because of the forgiveness we've received. Notice what he says, forgive us our debts. Uh, A debt is something you owe someone. And so when a person comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you accept his salvation, you accept his grace in your life, God is forgiving you of a debt that you owe for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And so when He forgives us, He's releasing the debt to us. And all throughout the New Testament we see that we are to forgive because God has forgiven us. Um, Colossians chapter 3, one of my absolute favorite relational passages in the New Testament. I could preach it every single year. Colossians chapter 3 says this. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have had against uh, against another forgive as the lord forgave you so the lord forgave you forgive Uh, ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as christ in christ god forgave you and this is really this is really out of uh, uh, this idea of gratitude Out of a sense of gratitude for what God has forgiven you of, you ought to forgive other people. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee by the name of Simon, and there is a sinful woman, a woman who has quite a past, that comes into the house, and she begins to anoint Jesus' feet, and Simon makes a a suggestion. He says, man, if this guy was really a prophet, he wouldn't let a woman like that touch his feet. And Jesus kind of challenges him and says, hey, Simon, I have a question for you. There were two people who owed somebody money one owed 500 denarii that's a couple of years wages one owed him 50 bucks or 50 denarii about two months wages neither one of them could pay it back so he forgave both of them their debt which one do you think loved that man more and Jesus said, well, I suppose the one who has been forgiven more, and he says, you've judged correctly, and he applies it to that woman. And what he says is, is that when you have been forgiven much, you can't help but forgive others much. Michael, I look over here, and you're my brother in Christ. Let's just say you owe me 10,000 bucks. I look over here, Jesse, you owe me 100 bucks. I forgive you both that debt. You're going to be happy. He's going to be ecstatic. Kind of the idea and he, and it's interesting to me because I wonder sometimes when we hold on to stuff and we're unwilling to show forgiveness toward others, and I, believe me, this could be a whole series, I get it, it's hard to forgive sometimes. It's hard when it was something that was life-altering, it's hard when it was a betrayal, it's hard to forgive when you keep seeing the person who hurt you, or even worse, what if the person is continuing to do it? But Jesus says you need to get some kind of an idea of what you've been forgiven. Sometimes I think that when we are graceless toward others, we somehow think that we're some prize and really weren't that hard to forgive. Do you realize, if, as long as I didn't commit the big five in the sin category, I didn't steal, I didn't kill, I didn't uh, I didn't commit adultery, I didn't, I don't know what the others would be, whatever you think they should be. But as long as I didn't do the big five, I'm okay, and I'm really not that bad. Our very nature, the Word of God says, is bent away from God. It's only wicked at all times. We have to be forgiven of everything. And when you realize how much has been forgiven... Makes it a little easier to forgive someone else. Jesus gave us a foundation and then he actually modeled it for us. He gave us the model of forgiveness It's how God forgives us. Titus chapter 3, another great passage of scripture. I guess all scripture is great but these are my favorites. I want you to notice how God forgave you when he came into a relationship with him but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared he saved us not because of the righteous things that we've done but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of every time you see the word save just put in the word forgave He forgave you through the washing of rebirth, through the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Now, Now look at how God forgave you. It was undeserved, not because of the righteous things you did, right, but because of his mercy. He released it, and then he covered it He released it in that He saved it, but He covered it by His mercy. Forgiveness, boy, this is something if you can grab this. Forgiveness always means somebody is going to live with the debt. Michael, back to the fact is you owe me $10,000. If I forgive that debt, it means that I've release the debt. And what it really means is I've now assumed the debt. You're forgiven of the debt, it's released, but I got to live with the fact that that $10,000 isn't coming back. That's forgiveness. number of years ago, I had someone who didn't have a whole lot of furniture was a young man we were trying to help him out and so i we were we were interested in getting some furniture i said hey tell you what we're we'll we'll let you borrow some furniture that we have we had some we had a very nice living room furniture we had bought it at a really expensive place in indiana and so i loaned it to him and uh lo and behold i was shocked to find out that he sold the furniture i was even more shocked to find out he wasn't giving us the money I was even more shocked to find out that he moved out of the area, <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, you may find this hard to believe, but I was a little, I was a little, I was a little upset. I couldn't believe it. It just kind of bugged me. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't that I wouldn't have given the guy money, but I was so, I was so, I got who does that? And for about a month, it really ate at me. And then I realized something that by holding on to this idea that someday this guy's going to pay me back, which he wasn't and which he didn't and which he hasn't, by holding on to even the hope that he would acknowledge it, It was just consuming me and I realized that if I just let it go I could let it go and so I did I just said you know what I don't ever expect to see that I don't ever expect an apology I don't ever expect him to ever acknowledge that he did that and I'm glad because it never did but what's interesting is immediately seriously it came to me during the, sec- the first hour. It's not like I thought about it this week. I was just preaching. I am sudden, oh yeah, that happened. It doesn't consume me. I don't live there. And so many times we live in the moment of the hurt because we're not willing to let go. That leads me to number three. Jesus actually gives us the motive. The motive of forgiveness is freedom. And actually, it's his brother James who kind of puts that, that in perspective because... He says, in James chapter 2, he says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law. That brings freedom. I want freedom in my life. I don't want to be bound to this stuff that happened. I don't want to be bound to my childhood. I don't want to be bound to this this person who, who, who took advantage of me. I don't want to be bound to that because what happens when i begin to release the debt and i let go what's interesting is that it actually has a way of setting me free i am the greatest recipient of when i show forgiveness to others i am the greatest recipient of god's grace it's like his his grace just floods in to my life when i let go i'm going to take you to a passage of scripture in genesis chapter 50 Genesis 50. Now, you'll remember, if you were with us in early May, I did a message out of Genesis 38 on the life of Judah. We talked about Judah and Tamar. Genesis 50 is the end of a 50-some-year story. It's the end of a a 37-year journey that begins In Genesis 37 if you don't know the story of Joseph and his brothers and Joseph in Egypt I'm gonna give you a real quick recap but in Genesis 37 we see a man by the name of Jacob who has 12 sons by four different women he loves one of the women more than the other women and so his oldest son Joseph from his favorite wife That's the one that he loves the most. And everybody knows it. In fact, dad doesn't try to hide it. Dad actually gives gifts to Joseph, gave him a coat of many colors that distinguished him from every other child, almost like getting a T-shirt that says, I'm dad's favorite. And the other boys are so wounded by dad's favoritism, That they hate Joseph. And by the way, that's how often it happens. One person hurts me, I'm gonna take it out on someone else because I can't take it out on the person who hurt me. And so when they see Joseph coming, Genesis 37, they throw him in a cistern, a pit and decide to sell him into slavery because they hate him so much. The rest of the book of Genesis is really the story of of Joseph and the many different facets of how Joseph was in slavery, then he was out of slavery, then he was in prison. And he has now, by chapter 45 of Genesis, he has ascended to the second in command to Pharaoh in Egypt. He is a powerful man who is in control of dispersing food to a starving nation. Guess who shows up at his door? His 11 brothers, unbeknownst to them, come to him in need of food. In Genesis 45, Joseph reveals who he is. His brothers are terrified because they realize... Little brother's going to take it out on us. And Joseph extends them grace and forgiveness, kindness, and says, come on, live in our land, and I'll take care of you. Fast forward 17 years to Genesis 50. In Genesis chapter 50, dad, Jacob, has passed away. He's already blessed his boys. They've already had their time with him. And Jacob now dies, and we come to Genesis chapter 15, and I want you to see what takes place. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, They said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. Translation, they lied to him. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs that they have committed against you in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of, of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers came to him, threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now, it's interesting because when you see this story, you are seeing two different understandings of what forgiveness is. Judah and his brothers saw forgiveness as holding a grudge, until you can make good on the grudge. They saw extending forgiveness until you can get payback. And so what's so interesting is they were thinking, you know, the way you extend forgiveness is because Dad's still alive, you show mercy until Dad's gone and then we're going to get payback. And what is so sad about this is that They lived with fear and a sense of dread because they didn't understand what forgiveness was. Joseph had showed them forgiveness. He'd extended forgiveness, had actually treated them with forgiveness for 17 years, and they were still living with a sense of dread. Joseph understood forgiveness very differently. He was grateful for what God and the grace that God had given to him. He says that what has happened to me is actually for good, for the saving of many lives. He showed them kindness and he released the debt that his brothers had for him. And you notice that it says Joseph wept? Why did he weep? I think Joseph wept because he realized his brothers were still living 37 years in the past. His brothers were still living on that fateful day when they sold their brother into slavery and they were living with regret and fear and a sense of judgment. Joseph had extended and given them forgiveness 17 years earlier and for 17 years instead of enjoying the freedom that comes with being forgiven they were living with fear and instead of enjoying the last days they had with their dad they feared when their dad was going to pass away And could it be that Jesus said that if you forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. And if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Is it possible that Jesus said those words because he understood that how you view forgiveness and the way that you receive forgiveness will translate into the way that you extend forgiveness? And oh, by the way, the way that you receive forgiveness from God will have a great impact on how you extend forgiveness to others. And it's not so much a threat as a deep desire to give you freedom. Because somewhere in your past, when you hold on to the hurt that took place or the multiple words that were spoken or an incident from your childhood it is real it is powerful it permeates your life but as long as you're holding on to the unforgiveness every day you're going right back to the same place and that person or those persons own you And when you release that, they no longer have control over you. In Luke 17, Jesus says to His disciples that you can rebuke a brother, but make sure you forgive him even if he sins against you seven times. And the disciples looked at him and said, Lord, increase our faith. We need God's help. We need God's grace to show grace to others. But today, you don't have to carry that stuff around. It doesn't mean you won't remember it. I was sharing with somebody in the back hallway, and they were saying it's such a good reminder because sometimes I'm still working through the things of the past. And I said, you know, I don't know who said it. If If I did, I'd give them credit, but they said... Remember, forgiveness can happen in a moment because you choose to, but the emotions come by slow freight train. And it takes a a lot of time to get through the emotions. And so you just keep releasing it and keep entrusting it to God. Father, thank you for your word. And when I said sometimes I wish things weren't in your word, I I never want to question what you've put in your word. It's there for my good. It's for my love. But sometimes these things are hard. And Lord, I don't want to live in shackles and I don't want to live in the past and I don't want to live in bondage and I don't want to take it out on other people. I mean, it feels like at times the person's who have hurt me aren't the ones that I take it out on. And so Lord, I um, I don't want to come to the end of my life or someone else's life and realize that I've lived for years with a sense of dread and bondage. I want freedom that can only come from you. So this morning, Lord, I want to receive your your freedom and your forgiveness. I when pastor phil was sharing how you forgive us i i think i've been living with an idea that you're just waiting for me to mess up so you can bring all my sins back again and just confront me with them and lord i i when you forgive me you forgive me and i want to accept that forgiveness and your grace through jesus christ wash me and lord i want to extend that same grace and i need your help But I want to release this stuff. And whenever I say release, my hands automatically go open. I just want to release this to You. It was painful. It hurt. But Lord, I want to to let go of this stuff. I want to give it to You. And I'm inviting Holy Spirit. I'm inviting Your healing. I'm inviting Your washing. I'm inviting... You to do a repair work in my emotions and my life as I walk in freedom before you. I love you, Lord. Work your grace in me, I pray. In Jesus' name, Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.